This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you already have your Bibles with you now, turn with me to John chapter 5, if you will, please. Again, I want to remind you that we are in the middle of our annual Bible prophecy sermon series. Now, I'd like for you to notice with me, I'm going to give you many scriptures today. We're going to be doing some things different in the near future that will help you to keep track of all of these scriptures as we give them so quickly and make them a little bit more accessible for you. But I want you to take as many notes as you possibly can this morning and, and write down these scripture references so you can go back and reread them again. But for the introduction of our message today, because today's message is dealing with the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. If you have your Bibles now open to John chapter 5 and verse number 43, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. Wow. Let's think about that. This is a prophetic statement that's pointing directly to the coming of the Antichrist. Jesus had much to say about this in the scriptures. I'd like for you to hold your place here just for a moment and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. If you will go there with me in 2 Thessalonians, I want you to see in chapter 2, I'm going to read for you about this statement Jesus was making. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 3 and read through verse 10. And I will say that probably we will refer to this particular passage of Scripture in another message as well. But Jesus said, I'm come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye shall receive, or him ye will receive. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is saying in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. And only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. By the way, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. In verse number 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders." And with all deceivableness, 
of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of truth that they might be saved. Now, Jesus had declared in the text that we're looking at as the foundation this morning that he came in his Father's name. And he said, I've come in my Father's name and you would not receive me. But there's coming one in time, in the process of time, who is going to come in his own name. And Jesus said, you're going to receive him. I've mentioned this to you before. That right now, in the age of 2014, there are over 300 people in the United States of America alone who claim to be Jesus Christ. Now, can you fathom that? Can you understand that? Over 300. You know some of them. Jim Jones, who led over 900 people to a South American country and convinced them be Jesus Christ. David Koresh that had that horrible experience in Waco, Texas, claimed to be Jesus Christ. Sung Young Moon, many of you remember back in the early or late 60s, the early 70s, when there was a group, a cult dominating the United States. They were called the Moonies, and they would stand on street corners and peddle those red poppies. Do you remember that? He claimed to be Jesus Christ. I'm telling you this, over 300 in the United States alone declare to the world that they are Jesus Christ. Jesus said, in these last days, there is going to come a man in his own name whom you're going to receive. Jesus said, I've come in my name, in my Father's name, and you have not received me, but you're going to receive one who will come in his own name. Israel, listen carefully, in the entire world is facing a deep, dark day on the horizon. I think it's imperative that we as born-again Christians know about as much of it as we possibly can because one day in the future the entire world is going to believe the devil's lie and go through a deep troublesome period of time called the Great Tribulation. It is going to be horrific. But I want you to understand that horrific events are taking place even now as I speak. They're going to get so much worse, but there are perilous times happening now. And I think that we saw the countdown really initiate itself on September the 11th. I've referred to that many times, but how true it is. And from that terrible day that took place right here in America, from that point, we have now begun to see unprecedented things that are happening all over the world. Now, we see on a frequent basis, Iran and North Korea taunting basically Israel, but that is in fact taunting the world with nuclear weapons. 
Oh, we've heard about wars and rumors of wars for years. Jesus said that would be part of the end times as well. We've experienced that. But it's almost like the devil has unlocked the bottom basement cages of hell and somehow unleashed every demonic force. Things that are happening today in today's world, things that have never happened before. I'm, you know, it, I understand deranged and crazed killers can just randomly go to shopping malls and, and go to public schoolhouses or movie theaters for absolutely nothing and shoot down and kill people. I'm telling you, they are puppets on the devil's tree. We're seeing things like that happen all over the world. Not only are we seeing a horrific rise in crime, but I will tell you this, if you study close enough, you will find out that even the weather itself has been unleashed to almost uncontrollable environments. Hurricanes and tsunamis that are happening today are unprecedented. There are catastrophic events that are even being recorded in outer space. Without question, this world is in economic disarray. And you think about that just for a moment. I'm telling you that the day is at hand. It is now time, I believe the stage is set for all of these end time events to begin shifting gears and going more rapidly into forward motions. And I believe there's not one single Christian among us that can afford to be ignorant about these details that are going to happen. The signs of the times, listen very carefully, are not only apparent to us as believers, but I believe the signs of the times are very much apparent to the devil himself. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Listen, I believe that you and I can read the Bible, though the word says that no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man shall come. And by the way, if you are addicted to people or books or publications or media uh, reproductions of any sort where they have men telling you or women telling you a day and an hour when the Lord Jesus is going to return, you've wasted your money. The Bible clearly teaches us that no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man shall come. So you stay away from all those who predict dates and set dates. They still do it today and not one in the past has ever been right. No one will ever be right in the future. But I want you to understand something. Jesus gave us signs in the Bible to recognize the urgency of the hour and to know that the time was near. And I believe with all of my heart that the devil realizes that his time is near as well. In fact, I want you to see a scripture you might not be familiar with in Revelation chapter 12, if you can get there quickly. I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 12. I believe that you and I as believers can take the word of God in connection to Bible prophecy and see just how close we are to the Lord's coming. I believe that the rapture of the church is the next prophetic event that is going to take place on God's calendar. This world is on a head-on collision course with eternity. 
Now, I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 12. The Bible says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So I want you to understand something. The devil knows himself. We know that the hourglass of time is about to run out. We know that. We can see the signs of the times. We can see the prophecies in the past that have been fulfilled. But I will tell you this, that the devil's not a fool when it comes to understanding that God is real and his word is real. The devil knows that, and he knows that his time is short. I personally believe that the devil is in the process right now of pulling the veil of darkness over the eyes of humanity, even as I speak. And let me encourage you to comprehend something very important this morning about the devil and his orchestration of these end-time events as they begin to unfold. Deception, the devil specializes in that. And deception is a forerunner of the Antichrist. In fact, the Bible clearly states that the devil is the master of deception. You still have your Bibles open in Revelation chapter 12. Look at verse number 9, if you will. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 9, the Bible says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Now these are indeed dangerous and deceptive and perilous times that you and I are living in today. I believe that the sand of time is running out on this generation. And I believe the history as we know it is running out of control for a dangerous and a disastrous climax. Now I want you to think about this. I don't believe there has ever been a more perfect day or more of a ripe opportunity for the Antichrist than right now. But you have to understand something, that before the Antichrist can make his appearance, the rapture of the church must first take place. That in itself ought to tell you just how close we are, because we know that the rapture is imminent. We know that it could happen any moment, any day. The Antichrist cannot come upon the scene until the church has been raptured out. But I personally believe that it's possible within the generation that we live because of the imminent promise of return. I believe it's possible that within the generation that we live, that this generation could see the rapture of the church and it could see the, the powerful appearance or the introduction of this personality energized by the devil himself. The Bible calls him the beast. The Bible calls him a false messiah. We're going to talk about that. He's also known as the prince that shall come. Keep that in mind. Now, you're in Revelation chapter 12. Go to the next chapter to the right, Revelation chapter 13. And the first thing that I want you to notice this morning is the things that are going to precede the coming of the Antichrist. In Revelation chapter 13, verse number 1, the Bible says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now what does all of that mean? When you study this carefully in the Bible, the sea is representing the, the world or the nations of the world that are in perilous times, that are in disrupted turmoil. Now, if you would hold your place here just for a moment, 
there is a wonderful reference in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 57, verse number 20. Now, we're going to come back to these areas, but if you can get to Isaiah chapter 57, I want you to see something in verse number 20. And again, while you're turning, it's my goal and desire in the near future to have more of uh, modern technology for you to keep up with these scriptures that I give at such a fast pace. I'll tell you more about that later. But look in Isaiah chapter 57 and notice with me in verse number 20. The Bible says, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. So you have to understand now that when, when John the Revelator is talking about these troublesome seas, he's talking about, from Revelation 13, uh, he is talking about the Antichrist who is going to come out of the troublesome sea. Now, if you'll turn to Revelation 17, another important scripture is this. And uh, I'm going to break it down for you a little bit better, help you to understand it. In Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 15, the Bible says this, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And so the sea and raging water is a representation of this world that is in perilous times, troublesome times. Everywhere you turn, you can see current events that are taking place right now that testifies of the perilous times that this world is in. So please don't be deceived. The devil is a master deceiver. These are things that are happening in the world today that are set in stone, that are prophesied to happen. Don't be deceived about them. The things that are happening in the world today, they are not coincidental. They're happening for prophetic reasons, and they are directly related to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The components of his return, the stage is set, everything is ready, everything is in place for the Lord to return. The fuse is about ready to be lit for the end of time as we know it. Now, I want you to think about this. So there's an urgency for you to be prepared for the day on the hour that we do not know. There is an urgency in the world today for you to be prepared for the second coming of Christ. All of us need to be concerned about it. So let me stop right here and ask this question. Do you know for sure that you're saved? That's tremendously important for you to grasp and comprehend. Are you sure? 100% sure. Now, if you say, Pastor, I'm sure I'm born again. Well, let me ask you this. Not only should there be a concern about your eternal destiny, but you also likewise need to be concerned about your loved ones. Do you know for sure that your loved ones are saved? You say, well, Pastor, I've, I've tried to witness to them for years and they just don't seem to have any interest in it. Well, listen, I think it's imperative for you to know, first of all, that you for sure are truly saved. But secondly, you need to have a genuine concern for your loved ones. And let me remind you of this. It's important that you understand that when the rapture of the church takes place, when the church is caught out of this world, listen carefully, no one who has ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel 
will have an opportunity to be saved in eternity. No one that has ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel and rejected it, by the way, let me emphasize that, and rejected it will have an opportunity to be saved in eternity. And no one that is left behind on this earth who has ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel and rejected it, none of those people will ever have an opportunity to be saved. So if you have ever presented Jesus Christ to a friend or a loved one and they have refused it, it's imperative that you understand how serious and critical that is. You cannot make anybody get saved. God doesn't make anybody get saved. For whosoever will may come. Every one of us have a free will. We'll talk about that. But I want you to understand something. That this is a very serious place and time in which we live. Now, again, the very first thing that precedes the end of times is that it's important for you to grasp the unprecedented turmoil that's taking place throughout of the world. Never before has mankind lived in a day that we are experiencing right now. And the Antichrist, listen very carefully, is a few ticks on the clock away from taking his place on center stage, which I believe which, uh, will take place immediately following the rapture of the church. The Antichrist, listen very carefully, he is going to be a visible expression of an invisible devil. Let me say that again. He's going to be the visible expression of an invisible devil. He's going to be powerful. He is going to be able to perform miracles, and people are going to think that indeed he is Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus was talking about. He is saying, I've come in my name, you're not going to believe me, but there's going to come one in his own name whom you will believe. And there is going to be a master card of deception that the Antichrist will use to disguise himself and to fool this world. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13 just for a moment and let me show you this. This is what the Antichrist is going to do in the tribulation period. What I'm about to read for you now is going to be his method of convincing the entire world that he is the Messiah. Now, if you look carefully at these scriptures, and we'll, I'll speak more about this in just a minute, but in Revelation 13, verse 11, and, beheld, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh... Now here is how he deceives the world. Notice very carefully in verse 13. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now do you remember an Old Testament story where that actually happened? Do you remember that the prophet Elijah was on Mount Carmel when he called fire down from heaven? All right, now the devil who is the Antichrist is going to deceive the world, making the world think that he is the Messiah because he has these godly gifts or godly abilities to do exactly what the prophets of old were doing, calling down fire from heaven. But I remind you of this. There are three heavens. The first heaven is the atmospheric area where the clouds are. The second heaven is where the sun, moon, and stars are. And the third heaven is where God's throne is. I just preached a series on heaven. That entire series will be available for you in, in the next couple of weeks. 
But I will tell you this, when the Antichrist calls fire down from heaven, he will not be calling it down from the third heaven where God's throne is. He will be calling it down from the area in which the Bible describes that the, that the devil is the prince and the power of the air, not God's holy city. Now I want you to see this. In verse number 15. Well, let's go back to verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now understand this, that the devil, the Antichrist, together he and his father are one. Revelation 13, go back to that with me just for a moment and look at verse number 1. Because this again is talking about the beast that comes out of the sea, out of the nations of the earth that are in dire turmoil. Look with me now, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great dragon, or a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. Now let me ask you this, who is the dragon? It is the devil himself. How do we know that? The Bible proves it in Revelation 12, verse 9. Look carefully. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now let me say this. The devil is not going to, or the Antichrist is not going to make his appearance on this earth looking like somebody that had just climbed out of a grave. He's not going to be making his appearance as a zombie type of a person. He's not going to be a grotesque, ugly type of monster figure or image. When the Antichrist makes his appearance on the earth, split seconds after the rapture takes place, he is going to come into this world. He is going to come on the scene as a very handsome, a very clever, a great intelligent personality. And uh, he is going to have global diplomatic skills. People all over the earth are going to be compelled to listen to what he says. People are going to be smitten by his appearance and by his personality. And by the way, there is a scripture that you need to understand for that. Hold your place here and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Now again, I emphasize I'm giving you many scriptures today. I'm going to try to make it better for you to keep up with it in the very near future. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 14, the Bible says this, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, let me ask you, do you realize, do you understand that when Satan was created by God, that he was created as the most beautiful of angelic? beings. There were no more beautiful creations or creatures, cherubims, sephirims, angels, than Lucifer. He was the most beautiful one of them all. And so when the Antichrist makes his appearance in this world, he is going to be a very handsome type of an individual. People are going to flock to him. Now, the Antichrist when he makes his first appearance on this earth, he is going to come and he's going to desire to be praised. 
for the first three and a half years, you see, there's going to come a situation when the Antichrist is going to have to step up to a public microphone of some kind. And he is going to announce to the world, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention? Let me explain to you what has just happened. Because in your mind, you cannot escape, you cannot forget. I've tried my best to help you to maintain the thought in your mind. You cannot ever forget the horrific events that took place on 9-11. You have to always keep those events for several reasons in your mind. We must never forget. Our children must know. Our grandchildren must know. We cannot ever forget what happened on 9-11. But I will tell you this. When you look at those images and you see all of that pandemonium and hysteria happening all over New York City, the, the buildings burning and, and everything in disarray, I want you to understand something. That image is going to be happening all over the world simultaneously. And all of that screaming and all of that death and all of that hysteria, I'm telling you that there is going to be a personality who is going to be very handsome, very articulate, very brilliant, that everybody will gravitate to. And in the midst of all of that confusion, he will walk up to a public microphone and say, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? And the world will stand there and smoke and death. And they will all listen intently to what this man, the Antichrist, has to say. He will begin to attempt to explain exactly what has just happened to the world. Not just New York City, but all over the world. People will listen to him. Probably you'll be able to hear a pin drop as the debris settles finally to the ground. He calls for public attention. And he begins to express to the world what's going to take place, what's going to be next. He is going to usher in. He is going to say, listen, there are no more days for us to not get along with our brother. We're going to kumbaya with everybody. So he's going to say this. He is going to be able to sit down with the Jewish people and the Palestinians, the Arabs, the Muslims. Listen, he's going to be able to bring it all together for one big friendly course of time. For the first three and a half years, he is going to usher in what is to be considered for the very first time in the history of mankind, real global world peace, but it's going to be a false peace. He is going to have an answer for every political and economical problem that this world knows at that time. For the first three and a half years, he is going to allow the Jewish people to worship in a temple. There will be a third temple built. Another message on that. The first three and a half years, he has a burning desire to be praised. He is going to be the world fix-it man. But suddenly, after the first three and a half years take place, when, we go into the, when the world goes into the second three and a half years, it, he is going to change his disposition. He not only desires to be praised, but now he demands to be worshipped. He is going to establish and set up a religious government which will look like the most wonderful system that the world has ever seen. He's going to then declare himself, after he demands to be praised, after he demands to be worshipped, he will then set himself up to be recognized as God. 
He deceives the whole world with his deceptive miracles. Again, if you're in Revelation 13, look again with me in verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which they had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now notice in verse 16 as he begins to force people to worship him. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Now look carefully at verse 16. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or in the forehead. Now the devil knows that one of the greatest ways to control economics or, or control the world is through economics. And that has always been, by the way, a great military strategy. I asked a gentleman that fought in the Six-Day War in the Israeli army. When the Israelis were fighting the Syrians. And there was a big controversy over the control of the Temple Mount. And this gentleman said, that's exactly what we had to do to win that war in six days. We had to completely take control of their economics. He said, as far as the Syrians go, he said, we made them fight us on the ground. He said, the first thing we did was we took out all means of communication. He said, then we took out all means of transportation. And then he said, we took out every single airplane they had. We made the Syrians fight us on the ground. You ever wondered how Israel won that war in six days? That's how. And let me tell you this, the devil knows how to control this world through economics. And that's exactly what the devil is going to do. He's going to control this world by the mark of the beast. And more than likely, I will tell you, it's going to be some type of a computer chip. It's going to be some type of global identification. And that's going to be implemented in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And this mark is going to be mandatory for every single human being. And it will be placed in the forehead or in the right hand. And by the way, they have already now begun to place little uh, computer chips into animals. And uh, they're using that for tracking devices. People now, when you stop and think about it, can be tracked by using their cell phones or their GPS or smart card technology. But listen, as the mark of the beast begins to be implemented all over the world, think people are going to think that this is a tremendous, wonderful idea, that modern technology now has just arrived far beyond uh, their expectations. People are saying now that this is going to be a wonderful thing. Put these chips in, in your hands or your forehead, especially in that of little children, and it will help uh, these children who are abducted to be able to be found. People are going to accept it as a safe and a normal practice idea. It's going to be an outward visible symbol showing that the person has chosen to worship this man who calls himself the Messiah. According to the word of God, the Bible says that without this mark, you will not be able to survive. Because in the tribulation, without the mark of the beast, 
Refusal to take his mark will constitute rebellion against the Antichrist and the one world government, and it will not be tolerated. Listen carefully. The number 666 is indeed the sign of allegiance. Probably it's going to be the forerunner of this mark that will soon take place as it ushers in a cashless society. We're seeing that everywhere today. And listen carefully. Listen to me very carefully. People for years, years and years, hundreds of years have put numbers on license plates and credit cards and houses and social security and on and on. Listen, you better believe according to the word of God that there's going to come a day when they put numbers on people. And if a person doesn't have that mark of identification, they will not be able to make any transactions at all. They will not be able to purchase medicine, water, fuel, food, clothes. Because you see, through this mark, the Antichrist now is going to be able to virtually control all the economy of the world. There is absolutely no place to turn from it. Now what is the number of 666? Look with me in Revelation 13, verse 18. The Bible says in Revelation 13, verse 18, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 600, threescore, and six. Now look at that. Six is the number of man. Three is the number of God representing the Trinity. So when you have three sixes, you have a man who is trying to imply or make himself out to be God. And it's very likely that this number, 666, is actually going to be a prefix to your own personal number. I'm telling you, friend, there is coming a day when the devil will unleash the false Messiah. He's going to, in the last three and a half years, he's going to break the covenant with Israel. He will turn quickly from a man of peace. He will be able to save momentarily the world from its problems. He will be, yes, the most popular man on the globe. He will be a self-proclaimed God. But you see, let me tell you this. What's more important than the coming of the Antichrist? What's more important than knowing that his introduction to the world is soon to be? What's more important than the coming of him is the coming of the Christ. So here's the thing that I want to emphasize with you and leave you with today. Rather than us looking for the introduction of the Antichrist, we need to be looking for the return of the Christ. Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.